This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, you know, I I love Saturdays, um, not just because I get to talk about real estate, probably my favorite topic, but of course I am able to bring in all sorts of great guests and and get their take on what's going on in the market. Um, A little bit later in the hour, uh, I've got Tim Hudak joining me. He is the CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association. And then uh, just before Tim, I'm going to have Carolyn Bale from Royal LePage. We're going to be talking about the marketplace and what the numbers are looking at. And shortly, former TREB President, Toronto Real Estate Board President, Paul Etherington. He's going to be joining me. And uh, we're going to be talking about the whole Competition Bureau and the fact that now TREB is allowing people to log in. Of course, confidentially, you're able to log in and find out what your neighbor sold for. Is this going to be the undoing of part of the real estate market? Are people going to know too much? And uh, what's going on? You know, it's uh, for, for me as a follower of this, you know, I've, I've always kind of been advocating that I think it should open up the market a little. I think it's going to be better for the market. And I think that people should have the ability of gaining this information. It shouldn't be, I think, you know, shoehorned by just one body. And I do understand when they create the database that they're actually the owners of the database, the information that's gathered there. But, you know, should it have been, you know, held so tightly, the fact that the only way you could find out what your neighbor, unless you went and knocked on their door and, hey, listen, that's not a bad idea. Maybe you can borrow a cup of sugar and find out what they sold for. But if you don't, then is it easier for you now to just be able to hop online, you know, log in securely and find out what everybody's selling for? Is it going to motivate you to sell? You know, it was interesting because I remember for years and years and years when I would take people out and, you know, we'd be either looking at houses or I'd go and meet with somebody and they'd say, well, you know, my neighbor's house sold and they got this much. So my house has to be at least worth that plus more. And I always had to ask them the question. I said, did you ever go through the house? And they said, no, but I know for driving by my house is better. And this is where, you know, my my conversation has been in the past with a lot of different realtors and governing bodies that I think that the the information that they've been hanging on to so tightly wasn't really what was the value of a realtor. And for all of you, uh, you know, pros out there, you know that I'm always a big endorser of the people that do this full time. And I, you will always have my support here at Simply Real Estate because I believe that there's way more to you uh, being a realtor than just having the ability to put something on the MLS. It's got way more to do with it. Negotiation, very important. And being able to read the market, read the, the sales and know what's going on is going to be a key element, especially right now. When we talk a look and take a look at the numbers, you know, even though we're bouncing around a little, you know, are, are we truly increasing? When somebody says your sales are up 0.9%, so 1%, so 100 units sell, so one more sold, so 101. You know, it's not that significant. And this is why I don't want to jump on the bandwagon like everybody else saying, oh, the market's coming back. Um, I don't think it's there yet. I don't think we've got momentum. I don't think it's going to jump through hoops. One thing I, I'm happy about is that it's not really decreasing a whole lot right now. We're kind of stable. We're in a stable marketplace. That's okay. For those of you that obviously have bought, you know, let's say last year, 2017, you're probably still feeling it a little. It's probably still hurting. 
but for people that had bought a few years before that, you're you're probably in good shape. You probably did not eat up, you know, your increase in equity. Now, again, there was a couple of things that were being floated around by the provincial government, or I would say just kind of you know rumors floating in the ether. One of the ones that was that, you know, Mr. Ford wanted to make housing more affordable and actually bring the real estate value down. And I would caution any governing body at this point to play with the values of people's homes, uh, meaning your equity, your future, your retirement. You know, right now, this is the biggest asset pretty much for every Ontario and Canadian when you own a home. And if you're going to futz with their uh, their actual value, I would say be very cautious because if you want to start watching people say that they're not going to retire for an extra three to five years because you just killed their greatest asset, this is going to have a huge repercussion. So I know a lot of people are sitting there saying, we really want the market to fall by 30% so that we can get into the market. I think that that thinking has to completely go by with the wayside because if we're talking to the millennial group, Remember, if you want the market to drop, that means your parents' money is going to drop, which means, guess what? They're going to come and live with you uh, in the future if they cannot retire properly. There's so much tied into the actual value of real estate, what it represents in somebody's life. Um, again, I think before they, they, they jump into something and create a problem, as the previous provincial government has done, then I would say that, you know, be cautious and you can reach me here and I would love to open up the discussion with any of the governing bodies and and have them here at Simply Real Estate because quite frankly, I've got a bunch of uh, pros that would love to weigh in on this. You know, we have these conversations on a regular basis and I'm pretty sure we could attract, you know, some of the leading experts to be able to question some of these people. Now, a couple things in the news this week. Um, just so you know, by the way, uh, if you haven't figured it out, we've got our simple seminar Thursday, October the 11th at 7 p.m. A uh, little bit more revamped to it. We've got a lot going on and we're going to talk about this current market uh, as well as our latest release. We've got two two releases that we've got ongoing units starting one bedroom unit starting at 129,900 they're fully tenanted guaranteed rent and you are all set when you own something like this you do absolutely nothing except sit back and watch your tenant pay off your mortgage and that's what investment real estate really should be it's long term it's not a speculation and it's a lot better to have a secure marketplace when you do it so go to the simpleinvestor.com today you can register for the seminar or find out more about this latest release um, but this week, one of the big things that uh, that happened, of course, if you have not heard me talk about it uh, with Barb DiGiulio the other night, and uh, Mark Weisletter uh, was on, he's a, a real estate lawyer, uh, was the uh, cancellation of the uh, Icona development. And this is in Vaughan. And this is, this is a major, major thing because this isn't just the first one this year that we've seen go by the wayside. And I want to talk about this because... In their news release, this is what they cited. They said, it is with tremendous regret that we must inform you that uh, a Kona project has been canceled because of circumstances beyond our control that make the project unfinanceable. Um, they returned everybody's deposit immediately. When we talk about 1,100 units that get sold out very promptly back, uh, you know, basically 2017, 2016, when these, these were released and sold, we have to talk about values, and I'm going to get to that in a second. I just want to finish off what they were saying. Um, we are extremely disappointed with having to cancel the Kona project after years of hard work and considerable expense. We are grateful for the support 
uh, that the Acona project has received from the broker community, uh, key stakeholders, and more importantly, our customers. So, um, politically correct, yes. Return of, uh, of payment, yes. Um, here's the thing, 1,100 units no longer in the marketplace. Now, does this mean it's not going to be built? Well, if we talk about builders and their process, they would have been at a certain point where they had an approval. And when we take a look that the approval, they had uh, 51 and 53 story high, uh, two buildings by the Gupta Group development was billed as Vaughn's tallest towers. So they would have had some form of approval to be able to get this thing going. So we're pretty sure that it wasn't that. So if we talk about financing, why do builders bail out on financing? Is it possible that they did not get financing? And again i am not going to infer anything but we have to think about what has happened since february 2017 to the condominium market um when mark and i were on the show with barb you know of course there's the discussion that well the market's gone backwards a little but that was more for the detached market not for the condominium market in fact we've seen in the last 18 months the condominium market actually go up substantially and one of the main reasons of course was the stress test which made everybody kind of stray away from the bigger townhomes or small detached and started coming back more towards the condominium market and that's where we saw a huge uptick in it probably from that date till today an increase in value around 15 to almost 20 percent in the marketplace for brand new builders uh, when they're out there so when we throw a value out let's say somebody was buying something around 350 400,000 Let's just go with a round number of $50,000 increase in value, 1,100 units, 55 million. I'll let you make the assumption. I'm not inferring anything, never have been, but you've got to wonder truly when something happens, you know, why do these builders cancel when they've got everybody lined up? And, you know, what I would hope, of course, is that if for some reason they're able to secure financing, the people that were investing in it, they, they give them some kind of break if they start coming back around. Now, again, the experts will tell you this, always take a look at some of the builders and are they actually completing their project? Because how does a builder cancel an actual project and how do they do it with their agreement of purchase and sale well in it it states and it's very much favored to the builder the developer that they have the ability to cancel it for numerous reasons they have the ability of delaying for numerous reasons so you know it's all legitimate this is what your your solicitor lawyer will take a look at when they're approving your offer so you have to go in nowadays with some of these builders eyes wide open you know unless you start seeing the shovel in the ground and the building being built, do not naturally assume that you are in the clear. So until that actually happens, until that ground is broken. Now, that said, we've even seen a cancellation about two years ago where the stuff was actually being built and they canceled it and they rolled it back into being rental because they realized that their profit could have been higher. So again, we have to keep our eyes on this, folks. And I want everybody to be very, very aware of what can happen when you're buying brand new. Now, I'm not saying that you, you need to run out and buy resale right now. There are some builders that are exceptional. They are closing. You know, they're doing exactly what they promised they would deliver. And I'm not saying that this particular builder was not, but it does come to a shock to 1,100 buyers that something that they were counting on is not going to happen. And, you know, I, am, uh, I, I, I don't think there's any recourse other than for goodwill, perhaps, if this builder ever decides to build something, they might turn around and say to everybody, hey, sorry, but you know what? We'll give you a little better break. 
Uh, speaking of break, I'm coming up to one in a, in a few seconds. And after the break, I'm going to be jo- joined by Paul Etherington. So stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. Uh, My first guest this hour joining me is the former Toronto Real Estate Board President, Paul Etherington. And Paul, thanks so much for joining me. You're welcome. Glad to be here. You know, Paul, it's interesting because as just, just for clarity, when were you the president of the Toronto Real Estate Board? I was a president in 2014 and 2015. Right, and you know, and 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 I got to tell you, that was that was a pretty crazy time. You know, 14, 15, 16. We that was a, a wonderful time. If you were a seller, we was you know the activity just kept getting better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for yourself, you could just sit back and just kind of you know watch watch what was happening from your from your vantage point. Well, it was actually a lot tougher than people think because it was great for the sellers, but it was very difficult for buyers. And if you had a buyer, oftentimes you had to do eight or nine or ten offers before they finally got a house. So it wasn't exactly what everybody thought it was. Yeah, you know, and, and, and that's the one thing that when we talk about real estate, I think that a lot of people always, they always think of the seller, but they don't never think of the frustration of the buyer. And in, in, in your marketplace during your presidency, you know, watching and listening to all the realtors out there, again, I, I agree with you, the, the frustration, seven, eight times, multiple offers, you know, people pushing their limits, you know, almost, you know, to a certain degree, kind of taking unnecessary chances because, you know, they're coming in firm, they weren't they weren't using the you know the inspection clauses the finance clauses they were just desperate at some point that's correct 100% so paul you know obviously a lot made in the news regarding the competition bureau talking about treb with the with the containment of the mls information can you shed some light for us on you know a little bit of the reasoning and what what you think of the ruling and where we sit today I, i'm totally in favor of the ruling I, I think it's it's a lot of um, talk about almost nothing. They've had this in the States for a, a long time, and nobody there says real estate is any different. I don't think we're going to see any difference. One of the things that um, I, I don't know if all our listeners know is the, you know, the ability to work with the land registry. And mm-hmm. as you and I both know in real estate, you, the MLS can say one sold price, but the day of closing, there can be some some you know alterations to that. It could be, you know, and and we experienced that pretty much. I would say 2017 June July, there was a few adjustments where the MLS was sold at one price, but yet you know buyers were coming back, kind of renegotiating, saying, okay, you know, we can't get enough financing, so we're gonna we're going to offer you a little bit lower. And so the land registry and MLS were not matching up. Would have it true. Would have it been smarter for the government to turn around and create the portal as opposed to, let's say, TREB? Well, you know, I mean, if, if the government did it, it would have been all Ontario. I mean, right now, it kind of seems unfair that this is only on TREB members. So if you're a member of the Muskoka board or the Halliburton board or or that, they're not disclosing the prices. So, I mean, I'm sure it will become that way eventually, but the order was only against the Toronto Real Estate Board. Um, I I think there should be a public, uh, there is a public access to find out what the houses sold for, but it's not easy to get to. There should be an easier way. 
I honestly believe Trev should just publish the sold prices once it closes on the public website of the Toronto Real Estate Board. That would be the easiest way. Uh, it would be simple and straightforward. Yeah, I, the idea that, you know, again, everybody wants security, everybody wants to make sure that, you know, certain things are not divulged, you know, you know, especially names of sellers and mm-hmm. things like that. I, I believe that everybody has that right to privacy. There's no yeah. question. If you yeah. own a house, if it's in your holding company, your 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 mother's name, that's irrelevant and, and should never be in, you know, in the public forum. You know, if it's if we're just talking sale price, and this is why yeah. I, I, you know, I, I pose the question, because, as you said, there's a group of boards here that don't have to adhere to the TREB ruling and yet you know they, the, the basically the biggest real estate board in Canada is is being used as kind of the scapegoat and so they're thinking that it's going to filter through to everybody else so yeah. I, again my, my my biggest concern and question to you would be you know uh, is 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 it going to take a lot longer for the rest of the boards to hop in line or are they actually going to sit back and say listen you know what we better move now because now the public sees something different I think they're going to move fairly quickly um, I think there's probably a bit of a technology thing to be able to send it out and and uh, and publish this information and get it out to people um, because it, it was you know it's it's a little bit of technology changes which Treb was prepared for. Some of the other boards may not have been prepared for it, but I don't think it will take too long before you see. Uh, you know, I'd be surprised if everyone is not publishing the data. Uh, you know, shortly into the new year. Yeah. So, Paul, you know, as as now, you know, you're I, I know you're still involved in real estate, of course, and you're keeping your eye on the ball all the time. We're coming into, you know, uh, the fall market. Um, mm-hmm. Are are you seeing are you seeing the Toronto real estate market, um, you know, kind of starting to show a little bit of life? I mean, we look at the numbers, 0.9 percent, you know, increase. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I mean, that's not substantial. I mean, we, you know, and, no. and it's unfortunate because every, everybody was jumping up and down for these crazy numbers back in, in, in 2017 and 2016, but right. that wasn't reality either. So No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. We, we are seeing the market pick up. It's, uh, it's definitely picking up, um, which is not, to be su- not surprising because normally in a market, the summer is slower. And we're seeing a little bit of a pickup so far in September. But what we're really noticing is that if something is priced well and is in good shape, it'll sell. It'll sell. But if people are looking at, oh, you know, in a year and a half ago, I could get 800000 for my house. And now they can only get, you know, seven twenty-five. They have to understand that it's not, you know, it's like the stock market. The prices on things fluctuate and, and the price is down now from what it was at the high. Yeah, and 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 I'm glad that you you, you mentioned that because a lot of people are still you know they always remember the highest price but right. don't remember the average price and yeah. and and it's a real it's a real battle that I think a lot of people have. Yeah. Um, so uh, if if any of our listeners want to reach out to you, Paul, what's the best way for them to reach you? Um, they can call me at my office nine zero five eight three one two 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 two. Excellent. Well, Paul, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your opinion with us, and uh, we'll definitely stay in touch. Thank you very much. Good talking to you.
Thank you so much. Thank Folks, you. Th- that was Paul Etherington, and he is the former Toronto Real Estate Board president. And um, great take. You know what? I, I, I'm glad that you know, you've got somebody like Paul agreeing that this information should be in the open market because I really believe that's the truth. Hey, listen, coming up after the break, I've got Carolyn Bale from Royal Page joining me, and we're going to be talking some numbers. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. More of Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Welcome back. So my next guest uh, joining me right now is Carolyn Bale, and she is from Royal LePage, your community realty. And Carolyn, thanks for joining me today. And thanks for having me on again. You know, it's always a pleasure talking to uh, yourself because, you know, I know that you're right entrenched in numbers. You've got a good read on the market. And I, I got to tell you, listening to some of the, some of the you know, opinions that are coming out through August and now September, we're seeing kind of a mixed message. Some people are saying market's getting stronger. Some people are saying we're, you know, just about to hit the soft landing. What's your read on this? You know, it's interesting. I mean, if you look at the numbers, July to August, we are up slightly. It is at um, 0.9%, so almost up 1%. Uh, But year-to-date, year-over-year sales are down 3.8%. Now, the interesting thing to keep in mind is when you look at the August numbers being up slightly at 1%, it is the fourth consecutive month in a row where we have seen price increases. Where we see sort of a a change is when you look at the rest of the months, they have been flat or slight declines. So that's where you get on a national um, year-over-year average. We are down 3.8%. Yeah, I was going to say, but we can't quite jump for joy yet because, I mean, when we take a look at, you know, like when we talk about year-over-year, you know, this time in 2017, we, we weren't doing so well. I mean, you know, we'd just come off that massive high in the spring of 2017 and, you know... The, the market was receding. So I, I always, you know, I always caution people to, you know, how you listen to the headlines, because a lot of times, again, it depends on who's spinning what, you know, is it, is it, you know, caution, the market's still going down, caution, the market's going up, so hop on the bandwagon, you know, it's, you know, all the all these numbers and, and kind of, like I say, headlines that come out in the news, they're they're hard to read for, you know, even people that are doing it every day. Well, you know what, and that is exactly it, because it depends on how they are tracking the numbers. And say, for instance, when you do look at last year, sales over last year, August, should be higher just because we had such a strong spring last year, and then the market softened significantly. So if you're just looking at one month year over year, at the end of the year, it's going to sort of give you one prediction, whereas if you sort of look at a greater span, then the numbers will be different. The other thing to keep in mind is... When they are looking at numbers, you can do national home sales, say, July over August, where are we versus last month and see, you know, a slight increase. But then most actual do not take into seasonally adjusted activity. The other thing to keep in mind is when they are looking at, if you say, look at the national home prices um, for the year, it, it was 475500 so up 1% from same month year ago. But if you take out the Greater Toronto Area and Greater Vancouver Area, where you've got a significant growth or significant impact, the number then comes down to 382. So again, depending on how the numbers are being pulled, it's going to give you a different reading. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's probably whatever whatever you want to endorse as the market's going up, market's going down, stable. I mean, I, I think obviously the numbers can be positioned anyway. But one of the things that I know that you know you and I both keep our eyes on will be the end result of the year. So if we take our full fiscal year at 12 months, the sheer volume itself is going to be off significantly, not just from you know 2017, but also 2016 because. Looking at the you know the number of uh, number of transactions in the GTA market, you know we were exceeding you know 100, 113,000 in those in those time frames. This year, I think you know I, I don't know if we're going to break 80,000. Right, and you are correct in that. I mean, when you look at sort of going back a couple of years, it's going to give you a very different picture of where the market is. I think the thing to keep in mind though is when you look at real estate versus other investments, it is always going to be a solid, tangible investment. So whether you've got the significant increases that we had, you know, in 2017 and even year over year previous to that, we're still in a very good, solid marketplace. And I think that's if there's any message that has to go out to the consumers, that would be the message. There, there might be fluctuations in month over month. There might be fluctuations in region across Canada. But I think on a whole, it is still a very solid market when you look at Canada and the employment coming in, the immigration, and the fact that nobody's really losing money. Your gains might not be as uh, great as they were but i think we're still in a very solid market yeah so one of the one of the things and and, and i'm glad you you, know, you you kind of left it off as we're in a pretty solid market one of the things this week that we heard in the news of course was the cancellation of icona which is up in the vaughn area and 1100 unit development has now been cancelled by the builder, citing that they just couldn't get satisfactory financing for themselves. You know, this is and and this was a complete sold out, uh, you know, development. So now we've we've got basically eleven hundred buyers out there that are scrambling, saying, "Hey, listen, you know, we were our intent was to move in in the next you know three years, twenty twenty one, and now it's not going to happen." Does it isn't that sending kind of an odd message to 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 the marketplace? Because I mean, you know, we, we we still have a little bit of an inventory shortage, and yet, you know, here we, here we've got like a major development clo- not not uh, being able to complete. Yeah, and I think that's a unique situation where you will see kind of balancing it out. Is is that was a new build development? So the people that had bought in there, you know, un- unfortunately, that development has let's just say, fallen through, but those buyers who have bought hopefully will be then buying resale in the area. So we'll still get the sales. It's just the actual product itself will be different. But yeah, it is very unique when something like that happens because then you do look at the market on a whole and say, wow, what is this telling us? But I think you have to look at situations like that on an individual basis basis because that is not the norm. When you look at other builders across the region, they are experiencing growth and still lineups and still strong sales. So I think, again, when we look at the market in a whole, 
it is a very strong marketplace, but there absolutely will be individual situations throughout. Yeah, and, and and it is unfortunate, and I agree with you that you know you have to look at each individual situation. There's been a couple that have canceled this year that we're aware of, and you know last year we had the same thing, a few issues. So our our biggest focus right now, obviously, is that you know when we talk about inventory shortage, we we do need to create inventory, even if it's just to, you know, even work on a vacancy rate for tenancies because you know a lot of these people will buy as investors, and right now we are struggling with the vacancy rate. Are, are you seeing any light at the end of the tunnel? I mean, we are below 1% in the GTA market. Is this going to continue unless we can get some of these builders to get these, you know, these buildings built? Well, I, I mean, yes, that's definitely a bit of a challenge, which is where, you know, you see, you see all the cranes going up. You do see condos still being built. You do see the vacancy rates. I mean, when you look at the house price index, it's the apartment section that has seen the biggest increase followed by townhomes and the one story kind of or one to two stories being flat so there is definitely a need for housing at that condo new build lower price more affordable pricing price um range but again it's a matter of each individual location is going to be seeing different challenges yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because like like I say, for for, for the marketplace, you know, one minute we're 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 struggling to find places to rent. Um <laughs> and, and, and as you know, even even though the numbers are down, there are there's still lots of sales going on. Um what do you think? Are we gonna finish off the year pretty strong? Well, I'm hoping so. I mean you look at all the financial recommendations and everybody was hoping for a more robust market, I think sort of mid to end of year. So we'll keep that as our goal, but it is definitely softer than I think we were all hoping for. Well, listen, uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, Carolyn, if uh, if our listeners want to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to, to get you? Uh, best way is probably through our website because all the contact information is on there. So www.carolinebale.com. Well, listen, it's been great to have you on the show again, and thank you so much, and uh, we'll be in touch soon. Sounds great. Have a great day. Thank you so much. You're you're welcome. Folks, that was Carolyn Bale from Your Community Realty at at Royal Page. And when I come back, I've got Tim Hudak, CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association, joining me. We've got a lot to talk about, so stay with us. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now, more of Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. So my next guest has been a guest on the show uh, numerous times, but more importantly, I'm pretty sure you'd want to tune in every Sunday at 5 p.m. It's Tim Hudak, CEO of Aria, and of course, one of the hosts here at News Talk 1010. And uh, Tim, thanks for joining me again. Todd, always a pleasure, sir. Yeah, it's always, you know what, I, I love talking to you because you've, you've seen kind of the evolution of real estate over the last couple of years being the CEO at, of uh, ARIA. And, um, you know, lots going on in the news that you and I can talk about. In fact, uh, I saw that you were 
you know, um, you, you had some comments about a situation that's just arrived, uh, kind of in the forefront, about real estate agents, and then they talk about being travel agents. And I thought it was an interesting <laughs> article, and I thought I'd just kind of get your take, and maybe you can tell our listeners about it. Yeah, you bet. I appreciate you saying that. I'm, I'm heading towards my two-year anniversary. It was uh, about two years ago now that I was taking my leave from the legislature and then took some time with the family before taking the helm at Aria. So I'm a bit nostalgic at that two-year anniversary. But your point, Todd, is a good one. It's kind of a combination of my old world and my new one. I understand how these things happen, but they make no sense on the ground. The bottom line here is that TICO, which is the uh, travel um, regulator, like we have RICO for realtors, TICO is the, uh, the travel regulator for those that are in the tourism business. TICO sent out a letter to a number of our realtors and brokerages telling them that if they were in the short-term rental business, they had to register and become travel agents. And this kind of red tape, <laughs> over-regulation, duplication and cost, Todd, that undermines credibility of the whole system. Yeah, you know, Tim, it was interesting because, you know, I wasn't aware. I, I do know that there are some agents that do specialize. You know, I would say, you know, furnished short-term rentals because it, it does come up. There are companies that, you know, they'll reach out to a relocation company looking for something like this. This is this was very common, you know, for quite a few years that, uh, you know, relocation companies would say, hey, listen, you know, we need, we need a short-term rental. It could be two weeks, could be six weeks, but, you know, again, not, not your typical one-year lease. And yet, you know, Taking a look at it, the idea that uh, an agent would have to pay double the fees, you know, get some kind of extra licensing, just doesn't make any sense to me, you know, no. on this side of the coin for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a um, it's needless red tape that costs two very precious commodities to your listeners, right? It costs you time and it costs you money. Everybody gets that. So, what happened here? We got alerted from a number of our uh, brokers and realtors in cottage country. And with my consumer hat on, you know, I've rented from realtors when Deb and I and the girls have gone on vacation. I trust them. I know they're regulated. I know if something doesn't work out, there are consequences because of the regulation. This is a common business practice in Ontario, particularly in cottage areas. So the notion that for something realtors have done forever, that they need to, you know, put down a deposit of $10,000 to TICO, the Travel Industry Council of Ontario, pay annual fees between three and four grand. And get this, Todd, they actually had to register as travel agents, go to travel agent school, take a whole bunch of courses, <laughs> and this is, is barely even mentioned. So that's a waste of time and money. Well, you know, to my own, I was when you say you have to go to travel agent school, I was going to say, well, you know, if it's in the right location at the right time of year, that might be a fun thing. But, you know, of course, a waste, probably a waste of most people's time. And, you know, being a cottager myself, you know, um, I, I, I've grown up owning a cottage. And one of the things I will agree with you 100%, normally it's the realtors that are handling these transactions. And it's, you know, basically, you know, cottage owner handing their cottage over for a month and saying, hey, listen, can you can you get a renter? If, if it's great, if it's a month, if not, it's week to week. And and, you know, for them to kind of interfere, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, moving on, of course, uh, being, being uh, again, you know, we, we go back to your old hat a little. And then with your new hat, I understand with the new administration in the provincial government, you've been having some, uh, you know, very lucrative meetings. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, part of our job, a big part of our job is to be the advocates for our realtor members at ARIA for a well-functioning real estate market and people who want to become you know, homeowners that get that move up home. So we targeted three particular uh, ministers for early meetings. They're very responsive. So that's municipal affairs and housing, 
they put around the regulations about housing and where it gets built and how quickly in the province. The finance minister, because, Todd, taxes on houses are very high. It's one of the highest taxed items per dollar, probably next to alcohol and tobacco. So can we get a break? And third, we spoke with the Minister for Government and Consumer Services. That's a minister who, by the way, also regulates TECO, uh, as well as the real estate sector. Well, you were just talking about, you know, the idea of the building and supply. You know, uh, a recent study just came out, and it's amazing how so many people want this new government to start making sure that more supply comes into play, but then they have that NIMBY approach that says, but not in my backyard. So how do we accommodate that? I mean, you know, you have that, you know, great overview because being Ontario Real Estate Association, you know, you see all the areas, but there are people people in the in the core that they just they don't want to have a building uh, built even relatively close to them yeah i get it right and those same people want to make sure their their daughter who's got a degree and a good job but can't get out of the basement finds a place of her own and on the other hand they say but not anywhere near us like that's human nature and that's been happening forever so the goal of the province here should be to set the policy and then hold municipalities accountable a couple of examples that, you know, our President David Reed and Karen Cox, our President-elect of Aria, and Sean Morris and Steve Cotent, who were board members, they did an awesome job explaining to these ministers what it means on the streets. So right now, Todd, you've talked about this on your show, to develop a new subdivision for, you know, middle-class families, new families. It can take 12 years or more to get through the approvals process. The delays, the development charges, all of that add on to the price tag for the consumer at the end of the day. So we put a bunch of ideas on the table on how to cut the red tape, how to speed up the approval process with the goal of making sure that that dream of home ownership, that great Canadian dream, doesn't slip away because of bureaucratic overreach and taxes. Yeah, you know, Tim, I'm I'm glad that somebody's pushing on this because we we need to, uh, you know, more importantly, when we take a look at the amount of people immigrating into the province of Ontario, also into the GTA area, you know, we've got a big shortfall. The number of units being completed versus the, the number of units that are required, and this is why, you know, we've got record low, um, you know, occupancies, and and you know, you know, keep up the good fight because we definitely need we need more product brought in, not the idea of let's force force things to become affordable by, you know, imposing more taxes or more issues on, on homeowners. One other thing I want to talk to you about, of course, is the Real Estate Business Brokers Act, and there's some reform going on. What's, what's happening? Well, so that's our main meeting with uh, Todd Smith. So he's the minister responsible for that act. That's the foundation legislation for realtors and how the business works. It's my old job, as a matter of fact. I was the minister that brought that act in, but it was 2002 when so many deals were done by fax. There's no such thing as an iPhone, so it's time to modernize it. I'll give you a couple of examples of what we want to see uh, here. Number one is allow uh, realtors to incorporate. Almost every other profession uh, can start their own uh, business and be incorporated. It exists in six other provinces. It just was not a thing in 2002. So let's update that, and the realtors can reinvest in their businesses, hire more people, and level the playing field. Uh, and secondly, you know, we just believe in raising the standards when it comes to education and training and professionalism. And if there's one of our members who breaks the rules, who betrays the trust of an individual, there's got to be sharp consequences. They keep doing it. you got to boot them out of the profession. Too often now it's a slap on the wrist. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, Tim, one of the things, of course, that we're facing, you know, very soon is the legalization of marijuana. Is it possible for ARIA or is it possible to get it mandated that we get some courses to be able to educate realtors on how to be able to deal with this? I mean, you know, before it was always, you know, you're dealing with, uh, you know, grow ops. What is going to be deemed a grow op now? Like how how is the education going to flow through to realtors so they know how to handle all this? Yeah, absolutely. So that's a product we are working on. As you know, there's a lot of... Uh uncertainty out there about uh, how many plants, if any, will be allowed to be grown in somebody's uh, home. We've suggested that, you know, out of the gate, if the province of Ontario was allowing private retail, there'd be lots of choice, lots of availability. So do you really need the consequences of grow at home that can cause significant damage to a house? What kind of duty do we have to make sure that prospective home buyers know about the history of the home and the damage that marijuana grow ups can cause uh, to the wiring, uh, to the humidity in the home, and mold that's going to impact particularly on kids and seniors. We put a really good plan on the table. We hope the province will act on it, and we'll also be educating our members across the province on best practices and the legal consequences as they become more clear towards mid-October. Yeah, you know, this is this this one's going to be a hot topic, I think, for quite a while. I think people are going to struggle a little with it, <clears throat> with the interpretation of what's going on. But I think that, um, you know, some people have been arguing, saying, hey, listen, if I'm growing just regular plants in my house, it's going to give off the same, you know, amount of moisture. I think I think there's got to be a measuring tape. And, and I'm really hoping that the province, you know, can grasp, uh, you know, what is kind of the maximum limit before we start going into that grow up, because then we're going to have issues with mortgages, home inspections, you know, and, and definitely, hopefully, that ARIA can put together a good education system for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I assume that's going to be one of the first questions that buyers of resale homes are going to ask off the top, right? Did you grow marijuana in this house? How many plants? Uh, how long? So it's a new world, but we've done our homework. We've presented to the province of Ontario. Um, they seem to be listening to us. I know there'll be competing arguments on other sides. So we'll keep fighting on behalf of the bottom line which is making sure Ontario homes are safe and the potential buyers have good knowledge when they make their decision. Excellent. Well, listen, Tim, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, I'm going to remind our listeners to tune in to you tomorrow, Sunday at 5 p.m. for the Tim Hunak Show. Always a pleasure. And uh, thanks so much, and we'll be in touch soon. Pleasure is mine, sir. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Excellent. Thanks, folks. That was uh, Tim Hudak, uh, CEO of ARIA. Well, that's it for another week. Wow, does an hour ever go quickly when you talk about real estate? You know what? Sometimes you got you to be careful that you don't get caught that long at the water cooler because uh, your bosses aren't going to be very happy. Um, I just want to thank my guests this hour um, for, for joining me. Uh, Paul Etherington, former uh, Toronto Real Estate Board President, Carolyn Bale from Royal LePage, and Tim Hudak, CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association. Great having all these experts on. I really appreciate it. Um, I also want to thank uh, Ian and Andre. They keep it simple for me every single week. And I want to thank you for tuning in. It's always a pleasure to talk about real estate. Uh, I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. I'm going to be back next Saturday at 3 p.m. So have a great week. And you've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.